It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. We are on to the next game on Ohio State's schedule as we continue to preview every part of the Ohio State schedule. And this is the trip to Northwestern. And to do this, we are joined by Louis Vacare, who at knows more about Northwestern football than anybody covering the team right now. Louis, you've been doing it since 2004, you said, right? Yeah, 2004. And and as we've noted there it's just it's this the the um the way of the world in in sports journalism and journalism in general there used to be, you know, some more newspapers in the area and that kind of thing that had northwestern beat writers. There just aren't that many outlets that do it now. We want to make sure people know where to get your coverage. Where can people find you? What's the best way to follow your northwestern coverage? Well, we're at Wildcat Report on Twitter. That's our uh primary outlet that's where you can find us and you're absolutely right you know i i always say it's uh it's usually me and a bunch of kids at the press conference you know there's all the student publications and things like that but the you know chicago tribune chicago sun times they don't have regular beat writers anymore so it's uh yeah it's it's dwindled over the years for sure um what's pat fitzgerald like to cover what's he like to work with, uh, you know, people like me, we get to see him at Big Ten Media Days. He always seems like a gregarious fellow. What's he like on a daily basis, especially maybe when they aren't winning as many games as they want to? Yeah, what you see is what you get with Fitz. You know, that's who he is. Yeah, He's a gregarious guy. He's, he's very friendly. He's outgoing. He's talkative. He's he's uh, he's funny as hell, too. You know, he's he's got a good sense of humor. And once he gets to know you, there's a lot of back and forth and things like that. And he, I mean, his persona is who he is. You know, Fitz is a guy that uh, he, he's a straight shooter. He's honest. He's straightforward. It's the way he recruits. It's the way he coaches the program. And uh, that's who he is as a player. You know, it's as a you know as a dad and stuff like that. I look at w- would I send my son to play for Pat Fitzgerald, and it's without a doubt yes. You know, he, he's a he's a good guy. I think that uh, has his uh, heart and his priorities in the right place. All right, so they're going to be any good? Great, he's a great guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that's the truth. Um, we so the reality of this is, and and we'll get into this matchup uh, with Ohio State coming to visit Northwestern. But I am always curious. Um, Northwestern occupies an interesting occupies an interesting place in in Big Ten football. Obviously, 
Louis, how would you describe how good is Northwestern football supposed to be? Right? What is the context? We know that Northwestern made the the Big Ten championship game in 2020, made the Big Ten championship game in 2018, had down years in 19 and 21. But like what's when you think about Northwestern football, the average year, maybe there isn't an average year for Northwestern football because they're pretty up and down. But what's the context around this program at this point with the big new facility on the lakefront, you know, that Fitzgerald's been there coming on two decades now? How good should Northwestern be? I think Northwestern, you know, I think you described 2018, 2020, they made the Big Ten title game. I think that's about the ceiling or pretty close to it, where they got a shot at Ohio State. And, you know, you you hope to get in that game and maybe one day things break their way. Ohio State has an off game, puts the ball on the ground a few times, you come out with a win and a Big Ten championship. You know, that's, I think, is as high as they can go. Now, they've really had down years in between, right? 2019-2021, they go 3-9, and nine, you know, and bottom out in the Big Ten. So I think the Valley's got to come up a little bit. I think that they can consistently be, you know, a bowl team every year, win somewhere between seven and nine games, you know, on a regular basis. And then every once in a while when they get a special class together, they can challenge for a Big Ten championship. That's who I think they can be. That That's about as high as it can be. The days, do you think the days of Northwestern being the doormat of the Big Ten are gone for good? They remain, you know, they, they occupy again, they remain, you know, sort of a smaller private university. And I mean, USC is a private university also, so that's changed a little bit. But like in a, in a, in a place with a lot of bigger public universities, are those gone? Because to me, you know, that sounds like a pretty high threshold for to me of like, you sort of expect a winning, you know, they've won, had a winning season five of the last seven years. You sort of expect a winning season more years than not, and then you think your peak is is pretty darn good and pretty darn competitive. But if someone said, you know what, I, I think Northwestern probably should go four and eight every year. Someone's got to be the worst program in the Big Ten. Are those days behind Northwestern because of what Pat Fitzgerald has established, because of the facility upgrades, because of what they are now? Their recruiting will always keep up. Are they are they gone forever? No, they were here last year, right? They beat three Rutgers and, and that was it in the Big Ten last that's, year? Yeah. That's exactly right. They had one win. They finished in the bottom of the West, and uh, Illinois blew them out, and Nebraska blew them out. I mean, that was the bottom. And, and in 2019, they did the same thing, went three and nine. So, though they were more competitive. Last year, they got blown out a lot. So, yeah, I mean, those days are not gone. And, you know, they with they've had – trouble at the quarterback position and when they have bad quarterback play this team is going to struggle and then last year on top of it the defense which has been the bedrock of the program they struggled too so they really had uh, kind of the double whammy last year so no those days are not gone it was you know seven months ago or whatever it was that they were at the bottom of the pile so it uh, it can come back for sure okay let's let's move on to some on-field discussion here with the Northwestern Wildcats, and you bring up the quarterback position. Um, I, I think it was last year at Big Ten Media Days, maybe even, Pat Fitzgerald talking about this. Clearly, Peyton Ramsey was a big hit for them as a transfer from Indiana, really successful. Hunter Johnson, not a big hit. Transfer from Clemson, came, was not very good, did not play. 
very much for a guy who was a five-star recruit at Clemson, now has gone back to Clemson. Ryan Helinski, the guy in there, now was there last year, transferred from South Carolina. I know Pat Fitzgerald kind of pushed back on the idea of like, hey, no, we don't want to be a place where we're always getting a transfer quarterback. I actually think that makes a lot of sense for a place like Northwestern. If you can't get necessarily big-time high school recruits at quarterback, mine the transfer portal, find guys who can come in and play right away. But he seemed to say like, no, this just happened to be the case. That's not a strategy. But, right, it's Ryan Helinski and then a recruit right now for 2022. What should Northwestern's quarterback strategy be? You said they've had some trouble finding good quarterbacks, and if they don't have a good quarterback, that's when they go 3-9. and nine. What should the approach be for them? Well, I, you're right. I mean, that's Fitz's strategy is he's going to be he's going to recruit high school kids. Right. And they're going to use the portal to fill in when they have to. And, you know, unfortunately, two of the last four years that they've had to fill in at the most important position on the field, you know, and Ryan Holinsky, you bring up a couple guys there. Right. It was a hit and a miss. Right. Peyton Ramsey was a big hit. Hunter Johnson was a big miss. Holinsky, we're not sure yet. He certainly doesn't seem to be a savior or anything like that. You know, he was a highly uh, touted uh, top 50 kind of recruit uh, coming out of high school. And last year, you know, he had some flashes, but he looked more like a game manager than that's going to a guy that makes plays to win games, you know. So he's still up in the air. And, and we're, you know, people will give him a chance because he came in halfway through the spring last year. He didn't get a full. Uh, spring and he's still learning the offense and he was kind of thrust into the role because they didn't expect him to be the starter he was going to be the number three so there's there's hope he can still develop and he's going to get pushed by Brendan Sullivan I think Sullivan may be the guy by the end Mm. of the year that's the starter Fitz Fitz really raved about him I've heard good things about him he he wasn't highly touted he was a three-star guy people had questions about his arm coming out of high school but he's a dual threat you know Ryan Holinsky is pretty slow he's a statue back there and Sullivan is a guy that can make plays with his feet my question was his arm I've heard that he's making the plays and he's got he's got that moxie he's got that quarterback thing he's a, he's a little bit cocky a little bit brash the other players like him he's all tatted up you know he's got he's got something about him there so if i think he is he could be the long term answer there you know he's the guy i think they're looking for the future will he be ready week 1 i don't know but i bet you halfway through the season my or so my my thinking is he could be the starter and he certainly will be the guy that they hope comes through for the future because he's got, you know, four years left. And this this visit is Ohio State at Northwestern November 5th. So certainly you're talking later in the years that there's a chance yeah. that could happen, uh, that Sullivan would be on the field. And if that's what Pat Fitzgerald wants, maybe that guy gets a lean right. I always think for programs like this, Sometimes you're better off playing a young quarterback, taking a couple lumps, and then if a guy sticks around and he's a four-year starter, then in year three and year four, all of a sudden you got something because at places like Ohio State, you don't have third-year starters at quarterback because guys are gone to the NFL by the time they get Correct. to that point. Yeah. So, so why not lean in? If Brendan Sullivan's showing something, right, Louie, why not lean into that? Even if it's not winning a ton, ton of games right now, maybe it's going to win you some games in 2024 and 2025. I agree 100%. If all things being equal, you go with the young guy. And and the thing he gives the offense, like I said, is he's got a little bit of dynamism. He can make plays off-platform, outside the pocket, and things like that. 
They don't really get that from Holinsky. They have problems scoring already. You know, the offense, they scored, uh, was it 17 points a game last year? So they, they, they struggle offensively to begin with. They need a guy that can make some plays. And I think Sullivan may be that guy in the long run. All right, on the offensive side of the ball for Northwestern, Northwestern does have one of the best players in the Big Ten, one of the probably five best offensive players in the Big Ten, and that's counting two of them as C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Peter Skaronsky is the best offensive lineman in this league. He's viewed as a first-round talent by everybody who analyzes that kind of stuff. How did Northwestern – and Northwestern has found guys like this before. You know, they've had great linemen there. How is Peter Skaronsky a left tackle with a first-round pedigree? Where did he come from, and what's it been like watching the development of this guy? Yeah, well, he's he's a guy that uh, we knew his name, you know, four or five, six years ago, you know, when he was in high school. He comes from Maine South, which is a power program in the Chicago area. He lives probably 15 miles or 15 minutes from Ryan Field. You know, he's straight west. I think he was a guy that, you know, he was always around the program. Northwestern started working him early in in recruiting. They established that relationship. He loves Kurt Anderson, the offensive line coach. And, you know, it, it, everything made sense for him to stay close to home. He liked Coach Anderson. And he's a He's a real quiet kid, you know. He doesn't uh, – you don't hear him much in the media. He's he's quiet. He kept to himself in the whole recruiting process. He never talked to anybody or things like that. And that low-key kind of kid kind of fits in with Northwestern, you know. And But what, what a tremendous talent. You know, it's, it's funny because Northwestern, they just had Rashawn Slater, who, who got yep. drafted in the first round. Uh, two years ago, and here they're going to have another one next next year, or if he decides to stay the year after. But he's a guy that the, the original intent was to have Slater at left tackle in 2020, and put Skaronsky on the right side. And then when Slater graduate, Skaronsky was going to move. Well, Slater opted out, so Skaronsky started you know his first game at left tackle in the Big Ten, and he was he's been dominant you know from day one the guy's got he's he's massively strong he's got the genetics he's he's wide he's thick and all those things and he's got a ballerina's feet on top of it and it's funny because there's also question marks because his his long question mark is height they don't know if he's Mm going to be a guard or a tackle and it was the same thing they said about Slater there's a lot of people thought Slater was going to move inside because his arms weren't long enough and all that kind of stuff and Skaronsky's the same way he's like six foot four but I think he can play, you know, even if he, you want to put him at guard in the NFL, fine. He's going to be a, you know, a mainstay there for a decade. And Slater's been great in the NFL. Oh, tremendous. And, and it, it it remains one of the more amazing, maybe the most amazing thing about Northwestern winning the West and making the Big Ten title game is in 2020 is they did it while the guy who was the 13th pick in the draft opted out in the COVID year. That yeah. they were that good without that guy. So um, is the, how will the rest of the line be? That's a great place to start. Your left tackle is as good as any left tackle in the country, honestly. How's the rest of the line? Yeah, so I think at tackle, you got Skronsky on one side, and Ethan Wiedeker is a guy that came back for his sixth year is going to be a right tackle. So they've got the bookend straightened out, but the middle is where the problem was last year. You know, that's the, the guard and center spots are up in the air. They did bring in Vince Picozzi. Uh, kid from Temple who's going to be in his, I believe it's the seventh year of college football. He started at Temple, went to Colorado State, 
Now he's at Northwestern. I think he's going to probably slide into one guard spot. Uh, they got Charlie Schmidt, who played some guard and center last year. He'll be at center. And then um, Preeb, Josh Preeb, is a guard that he was highly touted. had offers from Michigan and Ohio State out of high school. Hasn't really found his footing yet. Um, hopefully he develops a little bit more this year. Schmidt locks down the center, and Picozzi, you know, a veteran presence, comes in at that spot, and they shore things up. Because that's, you know, we talked about quarterback was where they really struggled. Well, offensive line has been the other place, you know. You look last last season, especially on the interior, they really had problems. They got pushed around on the line of scrimmage. And, you know, you Pat Fitzgerald this spring said, you know, that you can talk about quarterback all you want. He thought the problem was up front. They got pushed around on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So that that offensive line, especially in the interior, really needs to, you know, take that next step this year for them to, to get back into a bowl game. All right, skill guys. There, you know, every now and then there's a guy who pops at Northwestern, Justin Jackson or a guy, right? This is like, oh, my God, that, like, again, like that guy's awesome. Is there is there somebody that's going to pop? this year with the ball in their hands for Northwestern? Well, there's uh, Cam Porter is coming back, right? So he was a guy in 2020, really came on as a true freshman. They gave him some starts. You see, he ran for like 300 yards over the last three games of the season. Um, he's a power back, like a 220-pounder. And really, they really thought they had something there. And then last year, he tore his ACL before the season. He's tore it in camp and he was gone for the year. So he comes back. You got Evan Hall, who ran for a thousand yards last year. He's not a spectacular back, but he's got a little bit of long speed. He can break off some long runs for you. So I think they're really solid at, at running back. And they got Andrew Clare, who's kind of like a third down guy that they'll use too. Um, they don't have a lot of speed to stretch the field. Northwestern rarely does. You know, they, they have mm-hmm. those slot guys that you know, they do those little slants and stuff like that. And that, that's kind of their bread and butter. Um, they're really high on Reggie. Florima, who's a, a true freshman coming in this year. He's a four-star wide receiver from Naperville Central uh, in the Chicago area here. His dad played at Notre Dame. Um, but he's he's as polished a wide receiver as Northwestern has brought in in a long time. So, you know, maybe he'll be able to make a couple plays, stretch the field a little bit. But, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna still grind it out and be a, a team that has to execute. You know, they're not going to make a whole lot of big plays. They're going to have to, you know, execute to get the ball down the field. But this is not a team that wins with offense, even when they're good, right? The offense needs to be good enough for the defense to win them games. Is that still the general philosophy for Pat Fitzgerald? Absolutely. That, that when, when they're successful, that's who they are. You know, they, they do enough offensively. They'll score enough points. They'll, they'll go on some long drives to eat clock, but they win the game with defense, right? That, that's right. what they've done the last few years. We'll get into that on the defensive side of the ball after this on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here with Louis Vicare, you can follow his coverage on Twitter at Wildcat Report, and then that'll get you to everything that Louis does. Again, if you want in-depth coverage of Northwestern, which has been five of the last seven years, Northwestern's had a winning record. Um, you know, there are a lot of teams in the Big Ten West that would would kill for that kind of resume and to have gone to two recent Big Ten title games. So follow Louis's coverage because Northwestern is very capable of mattering in the Big Ten. Mike Hankwitz is a guy that I don't know that a ton of typical Big Ten fans would have known that name, Louis. But he was a guy who was Pat Fitzgerald's defensive coordinator for 12, 13 years at Northwestern. He retired after the 2020 season, and um, they had a new defensive coordinator last year. But as you said, that's what they've done. They've won because of the defensive side of the ball. Now, listen, Pat Fitzgerald's a defensive guy himself, right? So he's certainly going to always help set the tone on defense. But were there times at all last year where you thought you noticed that absence? Did this team miss Mike Hankwitz, who was a long time, had been at a bunch of other stops, very well-respected, experienced defensive coordinator? Was that part of the three and nine? Or is it, listen, hey, they got in a good new guy. They're fine. That's not the deal. Or, or was there a hole there? Well, there was definitely a hole. I, I don't think anybody would dispute that. Um, that Jim O'Neill's first year was a disaster. I mean, there, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Now, a lot of that can be explained by losses. They lost, you know, Greg Newsom was a first-round draft pick at cornerback. They lost Patty Fisher, a four-year starter. J.R. Pace at safety. You know, they, they lost a lot of uh, – talented guys with a lot of experience. So they had a lot of new players and they had a new system. Jim O'Neill brought a new system. They wanted to play this, they call it the star defense, play more five D-backs. And, you know, things didn't go well. You know, I don't know if it was uh, unfamiliarity. It was the lack of experience. It was a little bit of both. It was a, a coach, you know, who who spent most of his time in the NFL over the last, uh, you know, 15 years or whatever it's been. So I think all of that came together, but there, there's no doubt about it. That defense took a big step back. They were top five in the country um, against the run. They were, you know, a top 10 defense. And they went. They were in the triple digits almost across the boards defensively last year. And the biggest, their biggest weakness was against the run. You know, Nebraska ran for over 400 yards against them, and they gave up. Uh, I think it was 214 yards a game on the ground or something like that. You know, that's that's what really killed them was uh, that that run defense, and that was very un-Northwestern like. So when people watched that Northwestern defense last year, was it more? Hey, you know, some of the losses that you noted, they had some really talented guys that they couldn't replace and it, you just have a down year. Or did people wonder if there was something like sort of fundamentally wrong here that this is the wrong scheme? This is the wrong use of personnel. Like, is this not the right guy? And this is I'm saying this covering a team that changed defensive coordinators after last season because they thought, hey, this is not the right approach. Kerry Combs was here for two years and was gone. So I'm not asking if, if, a, if a defensive coordinator should have been fired after one year, 
but did, but were there real questions about like is this just not this is not the right fit as opposed to like hey maybe there's just a talent dip on the defensive side Oh, there was plenty of those questions. My message okay. board was lit up, ready to fire yep. him halfway through the season. You know, last year it okay. was like, get this guy out of here. But, you know, I, I do think after that Nebraska game, they seem to go much more back to the, you know, Mike Hankwitz, Ben, but don't break, cover four, you know, play the shell on the back end, keep everything in front of you. They seem to do a little bit more of that and they they improved as the season went on you know there were some glimpses in the second half and then they fell off again at the end of the year but they did show some improvement there um and the thing i noticed too uh was the tackling last season boy they really struggled there you know i i thought and that's someone something that you look at as you know indicative of how prepared a team was and they really struggled in that area. A lot of missed tackles last season, and they they gave up a lot of big plays, especially on the back end. And yeah, you know, I think a lot of that is attributed to the scheme change and young guys playing for the first time. But um, they, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think personally that you know Jim O'Neill has got to show something that this year. You know, I think that he could I don't I don't know if I'd go as far to say his job is on the line, but I think they have to show a lot of improvement defensively this year um to to cement him as as the coordinator. I, I really do. I think that uh last year was a little scary for everybody involved. Listen, I, I one year is tough, right? I mean it's really gotta go wrong for a guy to lose his job after one year. Two years yeah. it's like big boy school. This is a team that is trying to make the Big Ten championship game, you know? So uh, this is a guy, Jim O'Neill's been around, former Browns defensive coordinator, right? Like this guy's Absolutely. this guy has has a resume for sure, but sometimes if it's not the right fit, it's not the right fit. Okay, personnel, man, this is one of those things where the, the transfer portal, freedom for players is, is a great thing, and players are control of their own destiny. They only have one career. They only have one life. They only have one shot at this. But... To me, this is like the exact kind of situation that when you talk about the transfer portal, this is how it can really hurt a certain level of team compared to another level of team. Brandon Joseph in 2020, man, that guy was a young ball player for Northwestern. Everybody remembers, Ohio State fans remember from the Big Ten Championship game, the preparation for that. That guy, he had a pick in the in Indy in that game. He was he's a ball hawk. You think what is this guy going to develop into? And then I guess not as good of a year last year necessarily. Not the the interception numbers, but still a very good player. And now he's at Notre Dame. Kyle Hamilton leaves Notre Dame. Brandon Joseph transfers from from Northwestern to Notre Dame, and that's exactly like hey, here's this guy from Texas who was a good recruit, but maybe a little bit lower rated. He gets a shot. He does a great job with it. This Northwestern develops him. And then he goes, he goes to the bigger program and it's like, wow, I don't know how a team like Northwestern, how do you ever avoid that? Like, that's like almost the nightmare scenario for teams sort of at that level of we can be good. We're maybe we're never going to be a national championship contender. So what happens? You have a guy who's all American who leaves, but he has that right to do it. He was great in 2020. Tell me how what Brandon Joseph's year was like last year and how big of a loss, how big of a shock, how big of a situation was this? Or is it like, you know what? He was great, but good luck to him and Northwestern will be fine. 
Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of both here. You know, he was an All-America in 2020, led the nation with uh, six interceptions. It was spectacular. But last year, I thought he got exposed a little bit, you know. I think a lot of it was he had elite players around him in 2020, certainly. And he was a great – I mean, he's a ball hawk. He's a guy that can go up there and get the ball and make plays for you. But last year, I thought he got exposed in terms of run support. You know, he would come up and he missed some tackles last year and he'll tell you the same thing. You know, he really struggled. How much of that was scheme? How much of that was him? I can't really say. But there's no question, you know, a lot of the reason he's going to Notre Dame is because of Kyle Hamilton. You know, that's that's the role he wants to play. Now, can he be that ball hawk again and not be relied on as much for run support and play the kind of game that he did in 2020 for Northwestern? Maybe, you know, maybe it's a much better fit for him. But last year, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a spectacular player that he was in 2020, certainly. And I don't think, you know, Northwestern isn't losing the 2020 Brandon Joseph. You know, they look at, well, 2021 was kind of an up and down year. He struggled a little bit. He still made some plays. He certainly, you know, he was a captain. He's a starter. He's a guy you don't want to lose. There's no question yeah. about that. But I don't think people were, you know, decimated by that or anything like okay. that. I think that, you know, and, and they certainly wish him luck no matter what. You know, he was a he's a great representative of the school and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's not only they lose Brandon Joseph, but you remember the year before, Bennett Skoranek, who was a wide receiver for Northwestern, went to Notre Dame. You know, they lost two guys that were captains of the team. They transferred to Notre Dame for their last year. That, uh you know, Northwestern, like everybody else, Northwestern fan base loves to hate Notre Dame. So if, yeah. if there's one place they could have picked him not to transfer, it would have been Notre Dame. And, of course, that's where he ends up. But at least they don't have to see him this year or anything like that. That's right. Okay, but they do now incoming, a couple defensive tackles incoming from the transfer portal. That should help. That's the thing, right? Everybody in the end, if a program, no matter what level you're at, if a program does it right, you might be hurt but you also might be helped that the run defense really is, is a huge issue, right? Are, are there some guys who can help rectify that on the defensive line this year? Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about the biggest weakness was the run defense and that's exactly where they went to the portal for, you know, they picked up three defensive tackles, big guys, Tyshawn Holmes. Um, they've got Ryan Johnson from Stanford uh, they picked up Henrik Barn from Indiana State. So, I mean, not big names, but they're bodies. They're big guys that I think that they, they'll add to the rotation immediately. Northwestern was really thin up front last year, didn't have a lot of depth. They've got a guy, uh, Jordan Butler, is returning from injury. They really solidified that middle. You know, and, and then they brought in Wendell Davis Jr. from Pitt, who I think is probably going to step in day one and be the starting middle linebacker. So they really bolstered that front seven. That, that was a, a really big focus. They wanted to, to strengthen that run defense, and that's exactly what they did through the portal. So And they got a lot of numbers there too, right? They picked up, I think, nine guys. Um, also, Jalen Pate is a defensive end that I think will be in the rotation this year, a transfer from Wyoming. So they really – did a lot for the front seven. That was their biggest weakness last year. They addressed it. You know, how good those guys are going to be. Most of them are taking a step up. You know, they got um, guys from all, you know, the Indiana State and, and uh, Wyoming and things like that. So, you know, the step up and play, we'll see how they do. But at least they addressed their needs. I think they did a pretty good job there as well as picked up, you know, a kicker and a punter and things like that. 
So Northwestern has not had consecutive losing seasons since 2013 and 2014. Coming off a three and nine year, questions about the defensive coordinator, quarterback battle. Maybe the young guy wins it. You know, you got a great offensive lineman at left tackle, but maybe some questions on the interior. Like, does this feel like a team that can get to six and six? That can have a winning record? I, you know, again, well, eighteen twenty twenty two. We're not going to ask Northwestern to necessarily make the Big Ten championship game again. Right. But will this be a significantly more competitive team than it was a year ago when, again, it only beat Rutgers in Big Ten play and did have a lot of weekends when they just they just didn't hang? Exactly right, yeah. I, I, they're going to be a better team. I, I find that okay. I, I, I'm almost – you never say you're 100% positive, but I think they're going to be better on the offensive line. I don't think they can be much worse at quarterback. I think they're going to be better there. Uh, defensively, the front seven, you know, year two under Jim O'Neill, you hope for a lot of improvement there. They they addressed some needs with the transfer portal to be better in the kicking game. Um, they really struggled there last year as well too. So I think you know, put those together, they're going to be they're going to be a better team. What does that mean in terms of total wins? I think they can get the if they got the six and six, this would be a very successful year. They can get back to a bowl game. And, you know, get, get Northwestern moving in the right direction again, you know. And, and this roller coaster, you know, like I said, the we like where the highs are, right? You know, the Big Ten title yeah. game, I think that's fantastic for the program. But you, you can't go three and nine on those off years, you know. That really hurts, you know, everything about the program, the, the momentum, the recruiting, everything, you know, people people notice that. You've you got to keep those, those dips a little little higher. They can't be quite as deep as they have been the last couple of years. So, yeah, I think they can win between five and seven games. You know, I think that they can get the six uh, if they take care of business in a non-conference and, and win games they should, which is always a struggle for Northwestern. You know, they always they lose a game they shouldn't, and they win a game they shouldn't just about every year. So if they can get the six and six, I think it would be a successful season. Ohio State. One at Northwestern in 2019, 52 to three in a game that was Ooh. not competitive. But the last time before that, that Ohio State was in Evanston was 2013. Were you at that game, Louie? Oh, absolutely. 2013. Yeah. That 40 to 30 game that it was only 40 30 because Joey, Joey Bosa recovered the fumble in the end zone on the last play yeah. of the game that Brent Musburger recognized for the odds makers. That was a game Northwestern. Ahead at the half, Ohio State rallies. Northwestern rallies back, takes a 30-27 lead with nine minutes to play, um, and it takes a, a an Ohio State comeback to win that game. That was a, a huge primetime matchup for Northwestern. Northwestern, then the season kind of got away from them after that, but that was coming yeah. off a 10-win season. That was like a kind of a peak moment. Uh, game, game day was there, game right? Day, that yeah. was... That was like a huge thing for Northwestern. When you think about Louis, sort of the big moments in the last in the Pat Fitzgerald era, let's say, where does that game rank? To have a game day being there, and that Northwestern played like toe to toe with an Ohio State team in 2013 that 
frankly, should have made the national championship game that got knocked off by Michigan State in the Big Ten title game. And then the next year won the national championship. And that October, Northwestern was right there. How big of a deal was that in retrospect? Oh, it was huge. That, that game was, in terms of buildup, I think that was the biggest that uh, Northwestern's had under Fitz, for sure. Because, I mean, like game day was there. That Northwestern was ranked. Uh, they were in the top 15, I want to say. They were somewhere around there. Ugh. Ohio yeah. State was four and Northwestern was 16. 16, there we go. So, yep. yeah, they both were both undefeated. Both they undefeated. were both undefeated. Yep. Uh, Northwestern was coming off of a 10-win uh, season, their first bowl win. This was this was their their big shot, you know, and they went toe-to-toe. And, you know, what Northwestern fans will tell you is that uh, Kane Coulter made that first down. If you remember, they were around midfield, yep. right? They were down three, they were driving, and he had that fourth and an inch. He dropped the ball, he picked it up, and – it was awfully close. They, they gave Ohio State the ball, and that, that was pretty much the game. And then, they, you're right, they tacked on that touchdown. It was really like a three-point game that that was. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it was a phenomenal atmosphere. You know, Ryan Field was electric, and uh, that was a, a great moment. And then, but, you know, that's when, you, when I think back to that season, I think about what happened afterwards, and they lost, like, seven straight I want to say and they were all close games it was it was a uh, downhill roller coaster from there boy I will say Louie there it's an interesting thing because obviously you know Northwestern also beat Ohio State in 2004 which Ohio State oh, I was there yeah remember um there's I think there is a point to that when you have a team in your conference like Ohio State you can have a great record you can have great seasons but I do think like hanging right with the best program in your conference is a thing to me, because maybe you have a great year where you miss that team, or maybe you have a great year. You know, Michigan State had a great year last year. They got blown off the field when they played Ohio State, right? Not that that's the only barometer, but is it is a barometer. And I thought, like in that moment, that Northwestern played right with Ohio State in 2013, and then frankly, like in in their own way, sort of like was they were competitive like 2020 the big 10 championship yeah. game that wasn't they didn't roll over there greg newsom goes out early they, they go yeah. out greg newsom goes out early in that game that guy's a first round pick that basically isn't a factor in that game and they still hang around i think that to me louis when you think about where northwestern is games like that are as indicative as anything right that that there would be a time when it's like northwestern against ohio state they'll just turtle up you know, and, and and not be able to hang. Now, you know, of course, Gary Barnett, or you could do, but but that that that's real. And so, you know, listen, is Northwestern gonna beat Ohio State in November? Probably not. Probably. But not. I do think this would be a thing if Northwestern can hang. If Northwestern can hang at home in the ninth game of the season, there's something to that. You know what I mean? From your perspective, what do games against? maybe Ohio State and Michigan mean for a program like Northwestern? Oh, it's huge. Yeah, Ohio State is, you know, that's the bell cow, right? Everybody measures themselves against. And you look at even the uh, 2018 Big Ten title game, I remember, you know, they were down 24 to 7 at the half, and then they came, you know, they scored two straight touchdowns, pulled within three. I mean, that was a fantastic moment for Northwestern Nation. You know, and, you know, Dwayne Haskin, God rest his soul, uh, you know, he turned it on that second. Hey, threw for like 499 yards, I think it was. Yeah, he he right. was unreal, yeah. But, you know, they, they have that comeback. And then you look at 2020, they were ahead at the half. And then in the second half, you know, there, there was uh, 
the running back whose name the, the Sermons. Yes. Trey Sermon, yep. They ran for 300 yards, and they, you know, Northwestern turned it over three times in the second half, and, the, and that was it. But, you know, they hung around. And, look, Northwestern's not interested in moral victories. You know, they want to win that game. But there's there's no question, as a fan, they look at that as a barometer. How did we do against the big, bad Buckeyes, right? And, you know, in those 20, 2018, 2020, going back to 2013, they hung with them, you know, and that, and that does mean something to fans. I don't, you know, Fitz will tell you that they came to win and they don't uh, look at moral victories and stuff like that. But for fans, it's a big deal. You know, how did you do against uh, the 600-pound gorilla in the conference? You know, they look at that for sure. And you look at 2019 when Justin Fields, you know, they buried him 52-3. to That was ugly. It's game nine. Ohio State at Northwestern, November 5th for Ohio State. It's sandwiched in between the trip to Penn State and then a home game with Indiana. Uh, you guys, especially for Ohio State fans listening to this, as you get you know ready for that game, if you want to keep track of the Wildcats, you can follow Louie at Wildcat Report on Twitter. It's wildcatreport.com. It's the rival site that covers Northwestern. Nobody does it better. Louie, thanks so much for joining us here on Buckeye Talk. Well, thanks for having me, Doug. It was a pleasure. Looking forward to the fall. And we will be back with one quick special guest before we wrap it up. And we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back on Buckeye Talk. To wrap this up, the Northwestern preview, it's the ninth game of the year for Ohio State, as we said. And uh, our last guest here is someone who we know will be at that game for Ohio State Northwestern. And it is my daughter, Kira, who is going to Northwestern this fall. And um, Kira, what do you know about Northwestern football? I know that they definitely have their on and off years. I feel like it feels like it's all or nothing with them. Either go to the Big Ten championship or win three games. So hopefully this is a Big Ten championship uh, year. I kind of doubt it, but maybe somewhere in the middle would be nice. All right. So Kira uh, is going to Northwestern and it was a little bit of a surprise to our family sort of in the end, right? Because it wasn't like Northwestern was at the top of your list the whole time. But one of the things that you could, you did factor in and listen there, she's on this podcast for two reasons. One is um, it's her graduation gift and I didn't really get her anything else. And if you guys have a podcast then you can tell your kid, I hey, can be on the podcast for 10 minutes. You have to buy him something. And then the other one is, is that she is like all of you. She's a big 10 football fan. And how did that idea, you can't, I said, you, you can't pick your college just on football, but wanting, and not necessarily Big Ten football, but kind of Big Ten football. 
wanting to be a part of that on fall Saturdays. How did that influence at all your college choice? Well, I just, in high school, I really loved going to the football games every Friday night. And that was something I always looked forward to just being with my friends and, you know, rooting for people that we kind of knew on the field and just being like in a community sort of like that, even if, you know, the team was losing or winning, it didn't really matter. Just having something to look forward to every Friday. So I knew I didn't want to give that up in college. And I know the big 10 obviously has a good community of sports watchers. So I just wanted to make sure that was part of my college experience for the next four years. And where you thought for a long time, where you wanted to go was NYU, which has not had a football team for like a hundred years. They like have fake t-shirts at the school, right? Like you were going to be giving that up if you went to school there. Yeah. So, so is that why Northwestern went out? Cause you were like, (laughs) screw it NYU, no football, no Kira. Not the only reason, but maybe one of the top 10 reasons. So why do you, how did you get into liking football? Because I've talked about you on the podcast, you're you're a football fan and a basketball fan, but as we've discussed really, right. It's you're kind of like NBA and college football. All your, are your, your big two. Mm -hmm. What do you like about college football and why do you think you, you started liking? I don't, I don't really know. Like I can't really pinpoint it, but just like seeing people get like so excited about it. Like every Saturday just was really cool to grow up around and just, you know, even if a game isn't super close, like how a lot of Ohio state's games aren't, you know, super close all the time, just know that it was leading up to something at the end of the season that all the players really cared about. It just, it always felt exciting, no matter, even if that particular game wasn't exciting, just know it was leading up to something exciting that everyone cared about and put a lot of work into. I know I just, I always liked it. I always liked um, not knowing the outcome of it when I, you know, turn on the TV, I always like that part of sports, just, it's always exciting. So you are a Browns fan. And so yeah. what is like, Oh, when you, you and mom went and visited NYU and you guys like went to a Browns bar on mm-hmm. that Sunday, it was sort of like, well, that was going to be your football fix if you wound up at yes. NYU, but now instead you, you're going to start a Browns fan club at Northwestern. I'm going to try. Yeah. Yeah. So you like that. And Ohio state, it's not like, you know, listen, I go to all the games, but you can't take your kid in the press box. Mm-hmm. So it's not, have you been, you've been to like how many North, oh, how many Ohio state games in your life? Like just one, just the one, just yeah. the one against Northwestern well, no, too. Cause I went to the one at Maryland. Oh, the one at Maryland. Right. Okay. But we did get tickets this year. Cause you do want to see some games. Northwestern starts late. So you're all right. What do you think about Ohio state Notre Dame? Are you excited for that? I'm very excited. For what, that. what are you so excited about? Just a competitive game to open the season. And, um, you know, the Notre Dame coach, what's it? Marcus, Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman. I'm excited. To We're see. like, he and I are like best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you say. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that one. And I'm super excited to go to the Ohio State Michigan game in November. Yeah, which you've never been to an Ohio State Michigan game yes. before. We've been around Ohio State Michigan games at times, but you've never actually been inside yes. for one. So you are very excited for that. So it's weird. It's like you're going off to college. And we got these two season tickets this year so that you could go to the Notre Dame game and the Michigan game, which you will be home for because Northwestern starts late. And then you'll be home for Thanksgiving for Ohio state, Michigan, and you'll miss the Northwestern Illinois game that week. So, um, but I, I, when I was at Northwestern, you guys, you guys know that I also went to Northwestern when, when I was at Northwestern, they were 11, 32 and one in my four years there. Um, Do you think they will do better than that in your four years? I mean, two or three years ago, I would have said yes, but last year was pretty 
atrocious. But yes, I think I think they'll be better than I have faith in Fitz. So. Yeah, faith in Fitz. Okay. Yes. Are you <coughs> normally I mute it when I cough, but we're in the same room and then I would mute you. So I don't want to mute you. Sorry for the cough. Are you going to Ireland for the first game? We're not sending you to Ireland, are we? No. No, we love we we got you a Notre Dame ticket. That's good <laughs> enough. Okay. So you're not going to Ireland, but you are going to be rooting. For Northwestern this fall. So um, what? how good of a graduation gift is it to get to be on Buckeye Talk? Oh, it's everything I've ever dreamed of. Yeah, pretty good, right? Yeah. Do, do you want to – this is actually a gift because this is this is like dotting the I in Script Ohio. Like it is a great honor to get to do this. And the first time that Nathan Baird um, did it, he tried to do it his own way, and we had a whole big fight on the podcast. It's like, nope, that's not how you end the podcast. You have to say the thing, because no matter, it's not what I say, it's what the person who's talking at the end of Buckeye Talk says. So we want to fa- uh, thank Louis Vacare for joining us here on this breakdown of the Ohio State Northwestern game. We want to thank my daughter, Kira, for being a guest here. Try the text at 614-350-3315, and then Kira, you can bring us home. And that was Buckeye Talk. Talk.